aisle. They cleared the aisles. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah, we had a bunch of them. Well, we have a special on vacations. If you're uh, at River Church and you'd like to take a vacation, you can go anytime in the month of July, and after that, it's over. <laughs> we want you to come back and stay back. Hallelujah. So I'd say, you know, uh, take a fling in July, and then, uh, and if you didn't make it, we'll just say, I missed it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Got your hand on your Bible this morning? Are y'all ready to get something going in 2012? To cooperate and agree with God for the second half of His best year ever? Hallelujah. It's going to take revelation. It's going to take something from heaven to get it going. The same old stuff isn't going to get it. What got you here is not going to get you there. And so we got, we're depending on Him. We've got to have a download of revelation and wisdom. We've got to walk this thing out according to the plan of God. It means we're going to have to be mindful, we're going to have to be careful. In the sense of what we do, we're going to have to, what he told us to do here at this church is to um, um, consult him on everything. And that's what we're doing. That's what you're doing. So let's say, this is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I absolutely believe everything it says. Everything it says. Everything it says. No matter what the devil says. No matter what people say, no matter what circumstances look like, I am all it says I am. I have all it says I have. As Jesus is, so am I in this world. I'm about to receive the incorruptible, indestructible, always able, never failing, ever living, seed of God's word and everything is turning out amazing amen I'm telling you it's an amazing thing that's happening to you and me turning your Bible with me if you would to the book of 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 2nd Corinthians chapter 10 let's look in the word of God this morning and let's get something for our lives that'll advance us you've been you've spent 163 hours this week being filled with whatever comes along and whatever you've chased and everything. Now let's hear from heaven and see what God has to say about what we should do with our lives. I want to talk again about never giving up. Say, I should, I should never, give up. never give up. Now it doesn't mean you're not tempted. I know Joseph, when he was in, in the Bible, the, Joseph, the biblical Joseph, that he had lots of opportunities to give up. And every single time that... Uh, it got thrown at him uh, to give up. He just kept coming back at it. You know, when, when, when they made fun of him, when he had his dreams, when he had trouble, uh, when he was in the pit, he just kept coming back, and he never got mad. You know, people are mad right now at somebody. People are blaming somebody or something all the time, and, and when things aren't going right, they've got a grudge, they've got something going, but Joseph just kept on coming back. And then when he finally did get to be a slave, got out of the pit, and they were feeding him every day, and then Potiphar's wife came at him, and then, then they threw him in the dungeon for that, and he was there from 10 to 20 years, and, and we're talking about the dungeon. I don't know if y'all have seen any movies about dungeons, but, you know, th there's just no opportunity for advancement in the dungeon. <laughs> They're not an equal employment opportunity people. Hallelujah. But nevertheless, God opened opportunities for him, and the, 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 the king's uh, magistrate down there put him over even the dungeon, the prison. 
And from there, it advanced. And from there, he took those opportunities. He never gave up. He went from the pit to the palace in one day. There was a suddenly that one day he was there. He was in charge of the lowest parts. And then the next day, he was second command over the greatest nation of that time. It's an amazing story. And you go, but it's one of a, one of a kind. But actually, it's our story. The devil, the devil has taken all of us and said, I will, I will grind you. And I will wipe you out. And he set up a scheme. If you could look in heaven, uh, excuse me, in hell, and see the plan that he's put and the devils that are in charge of your particular life, familiar spirits that set, that that are in charge of Laquina, that are in charge of Garland. Actually, they you are their target. You are you are what they work on day in and day day all the time. They work on you, they begin to make plans and strategies, and when you mess up or when you give pause or when you go into some sort of temptation, they begin to get reinforcements and work on you, trying to discourage you and get you into a place where they can put you under. And it's not just you. If they can ever get a strong Christian to fail and to curse God and to, uh, and to be disappointed, well, then they can discount a whole bunch of other people, their whole family and the people that are looking at them and all the people at work. And they can say, this is what the Christian, this is what they look like under pressure. So it's not just you that you're working on. It's not just you that's holding your head up. you got to not give up for the whole kingdom. Lots of people are watching you. Amen. I said lots of people are depending on you. They're rooting against you a lot of times. They're trying to put you down. But really, they're just trying to see if you can stand up under the pressure. They're hoping you can. They're hoping that your Jesus, that your dependence on the Holy Ghost is going to keep you so that they can, they can join in with you. If you can do it, they think they can do it. It's so important what you do in these last days. I'm telling you, back in 20 years ago, it didn't matter that much. It did, but it didn't. But these are those days that are so, so very important. And you got to ask yourself, why would anybody give up? Why would anybody ever give up? Well, really, nobody intends to give up, but they slip. You know, it's a process. It's a grinding. Um, I looked up on the Internet last night, and 10% of America claims of them own self claims to be depressed. Can you imagine? That is 10%. And there's 10 states that are measured from 11 to 15% of the population, including Alabama, claims to be depressed. If you ask them, are, are you depressed? And they'd say, yes, I am. I'm taking drugs. I'm going to a doctor. I'm having days that I don't do well. I am depressed. They give up. When you're depressed, you give up. You've lost your way. You've lost your hope. Can you imagine? That's 33 million people in America that have lost. We're the greatest nation. We're the ones that, that God is the head of. Jesus is Lord. We're the ones that have all that we have, more Bibles than any place on earth, and yet 10% of our people have lost it, don't know which way they're going. And so it's important that we understand how to never, ever give up. Because not only when somebody gives up, uh, do you do they have to struggle, but it takes a support system to come in and get them out of the hole. And it's very challenging in these days to, to pull off of what you're doing and go help someone else pull out of the pit, out of the miry clay. And that sometimes is depressing or, or challenging for them. And it just begins to implode like a domino effect. So it's important for you and I to stay, stay strong in these days. And to know how to do that, how to how to not just cope, not just to survive, but to thrive in these days. And so the word of God tells us how to do it. And, and, and it is our answer. The word of God is our answer. 
It says in, in uh, I guess I better start out there, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I want to tell you, I've got six things the Lord gave me last night about this. Uh, and number one, I want to tell you, child of God, born-again believer, that when you feel like giving up, that's exactly what it is. It's a feeling. Say, it's always a feeling. I'm not saying that when you develop this thing, that when people get depressed and clinically uh, depressed, that there's not other factors, that there's not demons that come in and help people uh, have suicidal thoughts and have uh, all sorts of, of, of strange things. Don't you know this guy in Aurora had some demons helping him? He'd had this plan for months. The pay I just glanced at the paper this morning, and that's what it said. Uh, and I hope that's accurate in the sense of what I told you, but... but no doubt he's had demons. He's yielded in some way, and he's uh, had help taking out some people, taking out their lives. And his intent was probably greater than that uh, from all the stuff that he had. And I want to tell you, these people are everywhere. We read about this one. We, we noted this one in the one in Tuscaloosa. Isn't that amazing? In the same few days that we've had the same kind of a thing. And, and it's going to fill our papers. And so people are going to be reacting to that. They're going to be going like, oh, my Lord, we've got to shut our doors. We've got to do this and that. It's to shut people down. But we've got answers. I said we've got the greater one in us. Hallelujah. And we've got to lay hold of him and not be afraid of anything. Not back up for anybody or anything. Not be afraid of our children. A lot of parents are, are like they're big, bold. You know, they can take anything. But you put their children out there, it's like, oh, well, I'm not taking them. Well, it'll just, it, just hamper, it just hamstrings everything. Amen? So it's just a feeling. you got to know that when you feel like giving up, you've just had a feeling. Where does feelings come from? They always come from the flesh, don't they? God never sent a feeling of giving up. You know, it's about your time to retire. It's about your time to quit. It's about time. You've been about bold enough. It's time for you to pull back and draw back. This isn't going to be your deal. And he wants you to give up. It's never happened. It's just a feeling. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, let's look in verse 4. It says, for the weapons, well, let's look in verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. So it says we're not supposed to use the, the things that are around us to, to win. That we're in the world, but we're not to use the world system to win in the world system. We have to draw our supply from another place. And so it says in verse 4, for the weapons of our war warfare. Aren't y'all glad there's weapons for our warfare? And we don't have to figure it out. We don't have to, to, to lay hold of something along the way. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. That means natural. They're just not natural. Well, here's a Prozac. Take that and see if that'll help. Well, here's a 10-step here's a plan to get through this, this depression and these feelings. See if you can try that. They're not natural. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, you'll get the context here. These strongholds, it's not talking about demonic strongholds. It's talking about strongholds in our mind. Things that we begin to think and paradigms we begin to embrace that make us think a certain way. People that are afraid of people. People that are afraid of certain things. Right now in our nation, we're going through a, a big racial profiling thing, you know, and, and it'll always be this way, where we are afraid of other people and we begin to mark them like Muslims 
or some sort of other group that because of of 911 and and other things where or Hispanics or or just any kind of people that look scary we begin to say well those people might be might be more apt to hurt me therefore and it's what comes therefore the Trayvon Martin uh, event it's all about fearfulness in our nation about trying to take uh, matters to to keep harm from coming to us We've got to do this. Well, it's just never going to work. Y'all know that? It's never going to be something we can legislate, something we can enforce. It's always going to hurt somebody, the innocent. What we have to do is we have to take Psalm 91 and build ourselves a fortress in him. And it takes it every day. You can't wait until trouble comes and say, you know, I I really need to do something. It's got to be built in all the time. And so uh, it says, uh, pulling down of strongholds. Let's go on. Casting down imaginations. That's just a feeling. Casting down imaginations. Y'all ever had a feeling that that could be an imagination? You just had a feeling about something, but it didn't turn out to be true? Or if it did turn out to be true, it didn't affect you? Casting down imaginations and every high thing. The devil's going to bring a high thing to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. It's going to, he's going to contradict, he's going to assault what you know in God. He's going to take Psalm 91, the devil is, and try to pull it apart and pick it apart and say, it doesn't apply to you, this is different, it's, it's your special case. And you have a reason to fear that's different than what God can protect. Pulling down every high thought that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And then here's a proactive part, the part that we have to do, and bringing into captivity. So we're going to have to actually deal with these thoughts when they try to form, when they try to, when they try to gather up and try to, 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 to bring up a stronghold against us. We're going to have to take into captivity every thought unto the obedience of Christ. In other words, we're going to have to bring it into this word. Can this weapon form against me? Can this weapon that's formed, can it prosper against me? We have to bring that into our head and say, can this thing happen with who I am in Christ Jesus? I'm a born-again child of God. I am filled with God. I am fi- Are y'all filled with God? I am filled with God. I'm not just like I'm connected to someone that knows God, or I know the pastor, or I've got a Bible. I am filled with God. And these feelings come and contradict. These feelings come and deny. These feelings come and try to put a, a, a scenario in your head of rationale, of reasoning, and says, well, it might not work for you. Because you know back when you were 17 and back when some and Aunt Lulu, you know, she did this and it, she went off the deep end. And we, he tries to bring a case against you. We have to bring these thoughts into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. Casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against what? The knowledge of God. So we've got to have the knowledge of God inside of us so we know to resist. We know those voices that come at night and whisper to us and say, Jesus doesn't really love you. We've got to know that's not the knowledge of God. I cast that down. I take that into obedience. Amen. Well, I don't want to go to the store because there might be a killer there. There, you know, it might be somebody there. There, you know, there might be poison in the water. We can't go to the lake anymore. We can't do this, that, and the other. And it's trying to bring our society down one event at a time. Number two, first of all, I, I said that uh, giving up is always just a feeling. Number two, hopelessness always comes by focusing on a half truth. 
In other words, there's poison in the meat. But a half-truth, y'all, is always a whole lie. It, to you and I, we can't tolerate. We have to have the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And when it's got something in it that's not true, it's when we focus on that, the yeah buts. Number three, you could say that giving up, now you're not going to like this, giving up is a form of idolatry. Why? Why would give, you know, it's like, man, I'm thinking about giving up. I'm feeling bad. I'm sure not uh, bound down at some idol. It's the, the idol is you. When we give up, we're putting focus on us. We're putting all the weight on me, poor me, little old me. Nobody cares. God doesn't care. People don't care. And giving up is just a cop-out. It's idolatry. It is self-centered. It is selfish in every way. We'll look at a scripture in Galatians that talks about that. Actually, when you give up, it puts hell in the driver's seat. Hell gets a first place position when you give up. Because you drop all your defenses. You just say, well, just let it be whatever God wants. If that's what he wants, well, then that's what we'll just do. If he doesn't want to help me, if he doesn't want to, you know, uh, be there when I need him, if he doesn't want to supply my needs, if he doesn't want to heal mama, well, then we'll just give up and just let it be what it'll be. Boy, the devil will bite you and eat you and spit you out when that, after that. And that's what happens to a lot of folks. The, their trouble, when you go back and trace it, came from when they gave up. It's some, some self-pity, from just being tired, of just having things not work. Number four, giving up takes the Lord's name in vain. Because it says His name isn't good enough. It's not strong enough. It's not, it's, not, it's not for me. And it takes the sacrifice that Jesus did, and it puts it at vain too. I know this is tough, but I want to just talk to you all this morning about never giving up. It's not just an attitude that we say, well, you know, it doesn't matter to anybody. It is very serious when we give up. Yes, we are bought with a price. We are not our own. We are, we, are, uh, we are cast in his image. We are patterned after him. And to say or believe or act like he is an insignificant entity in us is against heaven. It is not who we are. It is not what we can do. You wouldn't steal. You wouldn't lie. You wouldn't hurt your children or your grandchildren. But this is in that same league. It's that same thing. Amen. Number five, it is never the will of God for, of, of heaven for you to quit. Never. God wants you to take your last breath in faith. I like what Keith Moore said. He says, when the devil has you on the floor, and his heel is on your neck, and he is squeezing, and he is pushing, and he is laughing. He said, you just got one thing to say. I'm winning. <laughs> I'm winning. <laughs> I'm winning. <laughs> oh, number six, praise God, pretending to quit. Y'all know any people that whine and carry on? They want sympathy. They want you to pet them. Well, bless your heart, baby. I know it's hard. It's just so hard. Pretending to quit will get the devil involved in your life. We cannot play with this, especially for sympathy, not, uh, not for some sort of attention thing. The devil will eat you if you mess with his side. So the whole line is, is we got to stay strong, amen, and we can never, ever give up. Amen, amen. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
I've got four little scriptures here. There's a whole bunch of them, but let's just uh, let's just look at what the Word of God says about the reason that you can't give up. Chapter 15, verse 57. This is the truth. This is the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So verse 57, let's read it together. Hallelujah. Says, let's ready read. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Didn't say except for finances. Didn't say that when the boss is mean to you. Didn't say when nobody cares or nobody wants to help. Doesn't say you didn't give up then. It says, thanks be to God who gives us the victory. He gives us the victory. Say, I have, I have the whole victory, the whole victory in, Christ Jesus. in Christ Jesus. Slip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14, just to let you know, it's in the Bible. We don't give up. Verse 14, I wanted you to go to these. I know it's on the screen, but I want you to put a little circle, a little star, whatever you do in your Bible, to put these don't ever give up scriptures in some sort of place where you can look at them. I can't give up because I have the victory. I can't give up because verse 14 says, let's read it together. Now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ and maketh manifest the savor of his knowledge by us in every place. Here it is. Amen. Let's go on. First um, John chapter 4. Now you're going to like this one. First John chapter 4. You can't give up. You go, well, I wasn't really going to give up. I just wanted to see if I could get some attention by whining and being sad and everybody asking me, well, baby, what's wrong? Are you having trouble? What's happening in your life? Well, does that mean old devil working on you? You can't go there. We can't go there. You can't be weak. You can't, you can't feign like I got trouble that nobody knows. The Word says that we've not yet suffered to the shedding of blood. And that you have never suffered a temptation or a trouble that's not common to man. He hadn't sent space aliens to put some sort of, you know, ziggy zaggy on you that nobody's ever heard of or can't deal with. Or Jesus doesn't know what to do with. It's all common to man. And Jesus already addressed it, took authority over it, dominated it, and put you in the driver's seat, victory over it. So we, there is no place to go where you can whine. Amen. Hallelujah. We're not whiners. First John chapter uh, uh, chapter four, verse 17 says, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now read it with me. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now let's put it in first person. Because as he is, so am I in this world. Right now I. Right now, I am as he is in this world. I have the same victory. You and I were cut out of the same pattern of the Lord Jesus, and we have been made with everything he was made with, and we have power, we have authority, and we have the victory. Amen. So we're not giving up. Right. Have you been tempted? Oh, definitely. Anybody that raised their hand said, I hadn't been tempted. We're going to cast that lion thing out of you. We've all been tempted to give up. Our flesh is involved. We are three-part beings. We are spirit, soul, and body. The body's always wanting to lay on the couch. 
The body's always wanting to go get a Coke and, and put ice cream in it and stir it around and, and then go get another one and then go get pizza. The body stays up till, the body wants to stay up till midnight and lay in till m- noon. The body, ne- it's no good thing in it, Paul said. There is no good thing in my flesh, he said, my body. You can't depend on your body. You can't discipline it. You can't train it. It's like having a boa constrictor for a pet. You can't take your eyes off of it one minute. I got this one trained. You don't have nothing trained. You've just got it kind of corralled and kind of worked into a pattern. But you had not got nothing going on in your body. You, It is. It is against you in every way. Paul said that. He said it wars against the spirit. And then you got the spirit man that's all over God. Ooh, hallelujah, I'm all about it. Let's get the victory. Let's go do it. And then you got the soul, the mind, will, and emotions that's just umpiring, saying, I'd like to sit on the couch too, but I'd like to pray in tongues for an hour. But the couch sure sounds good. And so it's just, you know, you got to renew it. you got to renew your mind so it thinks like God. Or it'll hang out with the body and think like a slug. Anybody got a body in here? Everybody been there? Yeah, we've all been there. It's a pitiful thing, what we look like. So we've all been tempted to give up, was my point. We've all been tempted to to just lay back and say, let the world go for a while. I'm tired. I've had enough of folks. We all have. Wouldn't it be a great life without people? But that's the only reason there is life. Amen? And you, you and I being people, everybody's saying that about us too. We could get billings out of this thing. Wouldn't we have a great life? Oh, no, not me. I'm good. No. Amen? In, in chapter 5 right there, you're there. Look in verse 4. For whatsoever, we're talking about never giving up. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory. This, the word there, victory, is the word Nike. That's where that guy in Oregon got that... It's the word victory. This is the Nike, hallelujah, that overcometh the world, even our faith. We overcome what? The world. Well, that's, that's new living. That's something else. We're in King James here. But anyway, y'all get the... Y'all get the I asked him if we should fire Barry, and they all said, fire him. He, he, we don't need him. I think we need to have him back for another week or two. How about y'all? Hallelujah. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 6. We'll wind this thing up. Say, I'll never give up. I'll never give up. Come on. We're not even just talking about uh, life. We're not talking about, well, I'm just going to go to heaven. You know, everybody would, would give up if you say, let's go. You want to stay here? You want to go to heaven? You want to go to work tomorrow? You want to pay the electric bill next week? You, what do you want to do? You want to go to heaven and just be with sweet Jesus all the time. We're all out of here. It's, it is. It, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about giving up on our marriages, talking about giving up on people. We're talking about giving, just, just giving up our dream. Now, we talked about that last week where you just say, okay, I calf rope. I won't have that dream. I'll just try to cope and survive and get to the end without just doing something terrible, you know, running off with this person and, you know, doing that with that person. You know, I'll just try to be nice and moral and ethical and just not be in trouble. That's that's giving up. It's not too late to have our dream. It says in Galatians chapter 6, are you there? 
This is such, this is so powerful. Let's let's start all the way up in uh, verse seven. Praise God. That's the new living. Can we get it over on? Oh, can't get it. Okay. Well, good. Y'all read your Bibles this morning with me. Hallelujah. Be not deceived. The word there is led astray. The word there is seduced. You know, seducing is different than just having someone tell you a lie one time and you go, oh, seduced is an ongoing eroding of truth. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Here's what he's not mocked about. Very important. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, y'all, this is so, we, we take this for granted that if you put tomatoes in the ground, you're going to get you're going to get a tomato, but we don't believe it in spiritual things. Many times Christians think that they are going to get something that they didn't sow for. They're expecting, and they're disappointed with God, and they, they, they are upset, actually, because they're going, why didn't I get what I sowed for? When as pastor and sometimes wives and husbands and all that, we can look at those persons, people and say, you never sowed anything along that line, but you're expecting, you're thinking because you showed up at church one time, you're thinking because you, you know who King James was or something like that, that you are going to have this kind of harvest. He said, God is not mocked. If you want a harvest, you have to align yourself to seed sowing. Why is there trouble in the world? Why do Christians struggle? It's this verse right here. They expect a harvest based on something they did not sow. Now, y'all just let that burn in there for a second. Let's go to the next verse. Hallelujah. Verse 8, he explains it. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And we just talked about that, just how the flesh will just let you down. It just cannot produce good things. And, and, and Jesus talked about it in Luke chapter 6. He said, he said you say you, you pat somebody's back and, and they pat your back. He said, the sinners do that. They all do that. There's nothing special about that. It's when you turn the other cheek that something's going on. It's when you walk the second mile that something's going on. It's not what the world's doing. So in verse 7, he says, For whatsoever, for do, uh, excuse me, verse 8, He that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. And as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Let's look in verse 9 for just a moment. It says there in verse 9 that we get weary in well-doing. Do you all know that there's this three-part being here that you can't separate them? You can't just send your spirit over here and say, listen, faith man, faith guy, you go over there and you work on the mountain. We are all sitting on the couch over here. Do you all know that when you go in faith, you all have to go? And, and, and the body and the mind, doesn't it wears out. We all can, can last for, uh, for uh, convenience sake. Like, in other words, if you, if you take someone to lunch and you feed them and you put, give them the onion rings and you say, strawberry pie, we, over here, strawberry pie, and you, they're going, wow. You know they're all about it. 
before you leave the restaurant. Thank you, John. Thank you. I enjoyed it. That was so special. You get a harvest right away. It, you didn't wear out waiting on the reward for that. You didn't get weary and well-doing saying, man, I'm in this fight trying to get a reward from what I did. No, you got it right away. So your body's all about that. It's when you sow things, when you plant things, when you have set yourself for things that don't show up right away that we become weary. We become weary in our finances. We become weary in our family. <laughs> Prayer. Oh, definitely. Y'all prayed any prayers that are still out there in, in the inbox of God, so to speak? And you're going, where is this? Well, your faith is still all about it because faith doesn't have a future, does it? Faith has it now. Faith receives it. And so it's nothing has to happen for faith to get happy. Faith's already happy. I've got it. I got it. Well, where is it? It doesn't matter. I got it. But the body goes, we'd like to have some of it. If you've got so much of it, where can we have some? And certainly the soul gets weary and doing without and waiting, and, and it's in the wait realm. The spirit man's all about it, but when we move our spirit man, we have to take our body and our soul with it, and it gets weary and well-doing. Is that right? So that's the whole issue there that Paul's talking about that we want to give up because we bite off spiritual things. We bite off sowing to the spirit and wanting to reap in the flesh. But things of the spirit take a while. Thank God they do because some of the stuff we've done, all of us in the spirit, the transgressions, the, the, uh, the, the evil seed we've sown, thank goodness it didn't come by the weekend. We'd all been toast. We'd all been hamstrung. We'd all been out of business if, if we got a harvest on the spirit that we did that was evil. So it's good to have a little time lapse there. And that's the way it always works. It says here in, um, in the Moffat translation, let me read this to you, in verse 9, where it says, Let us not be weary in well-doing. It says, Never let us grow tired of doing what is right, for if we do not faith, we shall reap our harvest at the opportune time. Now, I was a farmer for 10 years, and my family farmed before that and after that, so I get the farming thing. And, and, and you think, well, you just go out there and plant seed, and it'll, be, it'll just come up. But you gotta, you, there's a gamble there. For instance, if you plant cotton, you, you plant it the last of April, the first week of May, where we were, because you know what the general season is. You count the days to the first frost, because when frost comes, you know it's over. Y'all know, you gardeners, you know that when frost is comes, actually it's a little bit before that because cold nights shut stuff down anyway. So you got to figure out how many days you are. But if you, so if you plant a cotton that say it takes 150 days, takes five months, so you count your months up, you go, well, this cotton, it'll make, It'll make 250 pounds of lint on a regular year, on uh, but it'll take 130 days to do it. Well, 130 days is plenty of time. There's no risk in West Texas, except when it frosted on October 8th, that year that I had cotton this high, and it was one year it did cost me. But generally, 130 days, you're guaranteed a crop, but it's going to be little. Because it's making it in a hurry. Do you all know what I'm talking about? The variety of seed that goes in 135 days, it's never going to make much. Now, if you plant Stroman uh, RL30, 
That stuff, it is long staple. It will make 2,000 pounds of lint. That's four bales to the acre. That is money stacked up everywhere. But it takes 160 days to make. And it's not like, well, if it doesn't make it, we'll see. But it makes it in the last few days is when it makes the lint. So you'll have all this cotton, all these bowls, all these big green bowls on the stems, four bales of it. But if it frosts before 160 days or 165, it all goes to trash. So it's just a Las Vegas thing. You know, you're like, how many days do we have? So you don't want to plant June cotton with Stroman. You want to get some Rylecott 90. Rylecott 90, if you just had to plant cotton, it'll make it so fast, but it'll never make much. In its primest and best year, you know, you might get 350 pounds. You're not going to make much, but it'll make. Pineapple, I looked up pineapple last night. Pineapple takes 18 months. It takes 560 days or whatever, how many days that is. I looked it up. Uh, but 18 months to make a pineapple. And then it only makes three pineapples. A plant only makes three pineapples. The second pineapple comes at 32 months, and the fourth pineapple comes at 45 months. So almost four years to get three little pumpkin pineapples. But it's one of the most exotic fruits in the world, and it's very expensive, very in other words, it'll produce. So if you've got the time and the climate, obviously you've got to go to Hawaii or South America and whatever. But my point is, is there's different kinds of crops that you can do. If, if you're a farmer in West Texas and it is June 15th and you can't make cotton unless you are just some sort of great gambler, you can plant sunflowers. Y'all know sunflowers? They'll make in 95 days. But you ain't got nothing. It takes a bunch of equipment and all sorts of work and then you go to sell them and they don't bring anything and so my point is the higher the risk the higher the yield so if we're going to take somebody to lunch that's a low risk they're going to thank you profusely right after the meal amen so you're gratified and satisfied but if you want something that'll move the kingdom of god if you want to speak into the nations, if you want to talk to your money and your ministry and your dream, that's going to be a high risk and a high yield, but it's going to take some time. And you have the temptation of becoming weary in well-doing. What's the well-doing that it's talking about? It's talking about keeping your faith on the line. Because if you ever jack your faith off the line, it's over. Are you all with me? If you ever let the mountain remount... You get the mountain moving, and, and, and then you, you, you get depressed, you get uh, weary, you get the mountain just moves back. Do you all know about the mountain that comes back? Do you all know about troubles that don't stay gone? You have to maintain your faith. And so you go, well, what's this all about? You have to sow to the Spirit. In other words, you have to make a commitment. I have a dream, and I'm going to invest in my dream, and I'm going to sow in my dream. And what's that mean? I'm going to have to renew my mind. Because it's wanting to go sit on the couch. It's wanting, it's wanting to eat pizza every single night. And we weigh 700 pounds now, hallelujah, from the body telling us we can do this. Yeah, I love pizza too. Yeah, hallelujah. So, we got, so if we want something out of the Spirit, we're going to have to sow. 
you'll give up if you bite off too much. So you've got to bite off something that you won't become weary in well-doing. What can you do? What can you do? Can you, can you set, I'm going to set myself, I'm going to go to church this many times a month. I'm going to go, I'm going to set myself that I'm going to read this many chapters out of the Bible every, every week or whatever. I'm going to be on time to this. I'm going to be at work on time. That'd be a great faith stretch for some people. And you begin to discipline yourself. You begin to work yourself where you have goals that you set that are attainable and you you build yourself where you don't become weary in well-doing. Amen. The Phillips version says, let us not grow tired of doing good for unless we throw in our hand, the ultimate harvest is assured. It'll come. Now, there's one thing about harvest that's true. It's more true than gravity. Family, listen to me. One thing that is more true than gravity always working is that there's a harvest that follows every single seed time. What, excuse me, I said that wrong. There's a crop that follows every seed time. Whether you harvest it or not depends on if you're there when it comes off. It says right here in uh, verse... Uh, um, verse 9, we sh- in, for in due season we shall reap, and then there's a word what? If, if we faint not. There will be a crop there, but the harvesting into your barn will be if you don't faint. In other words, you didn't break down in your equipment. Sometimes there would be farmers in West Texas, as there is all over the world, that they, the, 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 the couple would be farming, and then he would pass away after the crop had been started. And there she is, the widow with a crop in the field and all these bills and all this stuff. You know what happens. All the other farmers come in and they pull that harvest in. They'll go to his harvest first and get the the crop in before they'll even do their own. So that's what we are in the body of Christ is we're to help each other not faint. When you have trouble, when you have uh, a thing that comes up and you're out out to lunch, we don't just say, whatever. You ain't part of my life, so what difference does it make? Look in verse 10. Here it is right here. This is the antidote to fainting. It says, if as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good. Say it with me. Do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. One thing, the antidote for fainting is to doing good, staying online with your faith. And one way you do that is you keep yourself giving to others. Anytime you start turning inward, anytime you start looking at your troubles, and we got plenty. Have we had troubles? Has anybody in here had some challenges, some temptations, some real, real faith? Wow. Here, you know, even in this church, making this turn, we've had some amazing challenges. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. If we will outlast it, we will see the harvest in our life. But we have to be there when the crop comes in. You can't give up and say, I'm gone, and then, ha- and then be there for the harvest. Now, here's I'm going to finish with this, I think. <laughs> we are Holy Ghost people. God has invested Jesus Christ into you. He didn't just scatter it out there and say, I'm going to put some seed out there. Any old seed will do, anywhere it'll do. He's picked the seed that had to be put into you to make you have a victory for you to win. 
we don't have an option of giving up. You don't have an option of your dream. Your dream is not your dream. You're just the carrier of the kingdom dream. Your part that fits into the whole kingdom, you can't faint. It's like having a four-leg relay. And the third guy taking the baton and saying, you know, I was just thinking about uh, not finishing my race and just jogging around. He's wiped out the other three team members and the whole team, hasn't he? Because he took something on his own. We don't have the option of quitting. And besides that, it's not even hard. When you get out of faith, it's hard. When you get out of where God has put you to win, that's when hard starts. People that have financial troubles aren't the ones that are tithing. Oh, you Christians, y'all tithe and you give. Bless your heart. God makes you do that. It's the most blessed place I've ever been financially. It's, it's when you don't have God involved, when you don't have the covenant connection, it's when you are out there by yourself, that's when it's hard. And listen, if you've ever tithed and then quit tithing, it's the hardest place that you've ever been in to try to get back in there. You just have to gut it up and just do it, and it's challenging. So when he says there uh, in verse 10, he says, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men. He's talking about taking the focus off of us. When people give up, they're focused on themselves. It's all about me. Poor me, pitiful me, everybody hates me, nobody likes me, I'm going to go eat some dirt. That's what it's always about when we want to give up. Is, is, you, you ought to hear my story. You ought to hear me tell it again. If you'll stay long enough, I'll tell you another part of my story. And it goes on and on and on. Do you all know we all have a story? We all have a story we could tell about how the devil and how the curse and how people and how our own failures we sowed and it came back in multiples. We all have a story. You can't impress me with your story. I got one that'll whoop your story every single way you want to tell it. Don't we? We got some good ones. We always say when the kitchen sink goes by the third time, you know the devil's just reloading old stuff. He hadn't got nothing new. And we've seen the kitchen sink, haven't y'all? We're not going to give up. We cannot give up. So I want to commission you this morning to reload. Get yourself in the Word. When, if you get out of the Word, you've given up. If you quit coming to church, you've given up. If you quit praying in tongues... You've given up. If, if, if you don't have a heart towards God, you are backslid. And you're in a dangerous place. Oh, it may not look dangerous today. You may be able to wing it today. But I'm telling you, tough times are coming because God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, it's undeniable it's coming back in multiples. I know this is strong this morning. Y'all are looking at me like, oh, no. But I'm telling you, that Aurora thing, it rocked me. This thing in Tuscaloosa, it rocked me. There is only one escape from all of that, and it's to live above it. You can't cope with it. You can't fight it. You can't handle it. You can't guard against it. You can't strategize it. You just have to dominate it and live above it. You've got to put the devil under your feet. And to do that, you've got to, everything that's given up, you got to revisit it and say, you are a slacker. We ain't doing it. We're going to start giving. We're going to start blessing. 
When people's finances start going, they start saying, oh, I got to get a second job. I got to start, you know, cutting back. I got to quit giving to people. And that's exactly the wrong place. That's just a form of coping. Faith is always the answer. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you have something, Deb? Praise God. <laughs> I am more than a conqueror through him who loves me. <laughs> Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is no little in any of us. There is no there is no second class in any of us. We have got everything we need. And I'll tell you right now, due season is here. I've planted some big seeds toward some big dreams, and they've been out there a while. But I'm telling you, I have a witness in my heart that due season is here. Due season is the hundred and is the is the eighteen months for a pineapple. It's the it's the ninety days for sunflowers. It's the hundred and sixty five days for Stroman. It's whatever it takes for your dream to come to fruition. Because if we pick it green, it's worthless. So you got to wait it out. You got to go the distance. You've got to make sure you're there to harvest the crop that you've sown. Let's stand up this morning. Praise His name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, if you don't speak in tongues, then you just are, you're just standing on one leg with one hand tied behind your back. We, I don't know how you're making it. I said, if you don't speak in tongues, you are winging it with one wing. We ought to get to the place where we speak in tongues. You ought to tell God, I need, I need that. They that thirst and hunger for righteousness shall be fulfilled. You got to want it. Hallelujah. If you speak in tongues, let's speak in tongues for a minute. Come on, let's stir ourselves up. Praise God. Now something just happened inside. The Bible says that you build up your most holy faith when you pray in the Holy Ghost. So something happened there. You, 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 you can burn a whole forest down with one match. You can set the woods on fire with one spark. And sometimes we got to have that spark to finish off what God started. Praise God. You can lay hands on the sick after you've been ministering in the Holy Ghost and they will recover. The gifts of the Holy Ghost. I am bringing a wellspring of the manifestations of heaven into this body. Prepare ye now to receive the seed of heaven into your hearts that that which is in heaven might be replicated, might be brought forth, might be a demonstration here on earth. I want you ready, saith the Lord. I want you ready now. I have done my part. Now do your part. 
Be prepared for this day, saith the Lord. Even as you have said in days gone by, there's a revival coming. Things are going to happen. God's going to open up and pour out. It is now, saith the Lord. It begins with you, and it begins now, and it begins in this place. So open your heart and fix everything that is given up. Put a patch on everything, line up everything else, and get ready to march. For I am pouring out the due season of your faith in this hour. You will begin to see and, and, and receive the things of your faith that cannot fail in this hour. Pouring out, pouring out, and pouring out will be your lifestyle. It will be that which I have ordained, and it will come into you through men. It will come through you to, through events. Things will align and come to pass to bring you blessing and fullness. And the day of lack, saith the Lord, is over. For the day of fullness, the day of prosperity, has come by the seed you have sown. And they will not be denied, saith the Lord. Those seeds have cried unto me, and the harvest must be given. So rise up. Rise up in faith now and receive that which has already been sent that your harvest might be full. And you will, you will enjoy these last days. In the time of trouble in the world, you will enjoy these days. They will be your days of heaven here on earth, saith the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Who has a need this morning? Who, who in here, is there anybody in here that's got, a, got a, something going on in your body or something whatever and you need prayer. We're gonna just we're gonna just open this up and see what the Lord will do. Anybody? Going once. I watched the auctioneer the other night at the auto show and some going twice. <laughs> Hallelujah. Everybody's good? Not a thing? Who in here is encouraged? We're gonna do it. We're gonna do it. Daniel, we're gonna do it. Montel, we're gonna do it. Wesley, you're gonna do it. Now, Wesley, you're going to do it, and not by the flesh, and not by the natural, not by your heritage, not by the things of your, of your intelligence. You're going to do it by unction of the Holy Ghost. You're going to receive what God has given, and you're going to walk it out. And you, my son, are having a great day, not because of anything that anyone can point to on earth. God has spoken to you. You know it, and I know it now. And the word of the Lord is going to turn it around for you. We're going to hear about him. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. There's a change. There's a change in anointing, a shift, a shift. You've been asking him. You've been seeking him. Lord, Lord, what about this and what about that? And all this that's going on, there's just a lot going on. And there is, there has been, but there's just been one thing going on from heaven. And God wants to talk to you about it. Forget that which is going around with your family and with your work and with uh, even the ministry. Get this right, saith the Lord. And I will lift you up. I will raise you up. I will set you up. Get this right. And when you do, you're going to see your whole life, your whole life, the whole seed of your life is going to come in one harvest, and you will be glad, saith Amen. the Lord. Amen. 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 Prepare him, Lord. Stretch him, Lord. 
pull him, hallelujah, every place that's resisted, everything that's held back, every timid and shy place, Lord, take it off. This man is bold. We all have to watch out because Garland's coming in. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Praise God. And Miss Lisa, you're stepping out. See, there's a stepping out. A door is opening for you. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You felt like giving up not too long ago, not in the sense of giving up, but for you it was a surrender from where you had always been and what you'd always believed. You were, you were saying, okay, I might just have to step back, but you didn't. You didn't. You stepped up instead of stepping back. And the Lord is rewarding that by opening some doors that men have said will never open to that woman, will never be available. That will never happen. I'm telling you by the Spirit of God, God is opening those doors, and His harvest is greater than your seed. You're going to see some awesome things. But now you'll be focused on Him. You'll be paying attention to Him. You'll not be taking the blessing of the Lord and running with it. You'll just be blessed to be a blessing in that blessing. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Okay. I'm through. Never giving up. Never giving up. Never giving up. On my dream, there's some things here in Tuscaloosa that God has been putting together, and you hadn't seen them yet, but you're not going to faint. Don't faint. Amen? God bless you. God bless you. Amen.